One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner 3 days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette. And I'm Ellen. And this week is Mental Health Awareness Week. And the theme for the year is loneliness. So we're going to be chatting all about loneliness, its impact, how we tackle it, why it's such a damaging thing, with Catherine Seymour, who's the head of research at the Mental Health Foundation. So the reason that we chose loneliness to be the theme for Mental Health Awareness Week this year was because coming out of the pandemic, so many more people had experienced loneliness during the pandemic and um, during lockdown restrictions than really at any other time in history. And thankfully for most people, when those restrictions in the pandemic were lifted and we were able to once again see family, see friends and colleagues, that loneliness, that, that lifted as well. Um, and, and now after the pandemic, levels of loneliness are back down to, to pre-pandemic levels. However, we know that there's one in 20 people in the UK who say that they feel often or always lonely. And for them, their lives feel like it's always lockdown. And it was our view at the foundation that, that the lockdown experiences of, of many means that we've got a new insight and a new appreciation of what it feels like to be lonely and what that might feel like if it's all the time. So we wanted to take this opportunity to encourage more people to talk about their experiences of loneliness and to create awareness of the impact that loneliness can have on our mental health. I think we all know that loneliness has such an impact, but as I know that you're kind of head of research and you've really looked into probably the long-term effects of loneliness and how it actually changes our mental health and even our physical selves as well. Can you tell us a little bit about how loneliness actually impacts us? Brief periods of loneliness that most people experience at some point or other in their lifetime, that's unlikely to harm our mental health. So being lonely is not in itself a mental health problem, but severe 
loneliness and mental health are interlinked and, and make each other worse. Sometimes it's hard to know which came first. Did the loneliness come first and that led to poor mental health? Or did poor mental health come first and that led to loneliness? Sometimes it's hard to tell, but we know there's a really close relationship between the two. People who say that they're often or always lonely have a higher risk of developing certain mental health problems such as depression and anxiety. And being lonely in that often or always way, so being severely lonely, is also associated with increased thoughts about suicide. So it's certainly something that we need to take very seriously. There's a kind of self-perpetuating nature to loneliness that can worsen its impact on our mental health. When we're lonely, we're more likely to worry and to ruminate, which can affect how we perceive things. And this traps us in a sort of loneliness loop. So a cycle where we're more apprehensive of going out into social situations, or we pick up on negative social cues too readily, um, and we, you know, we shut down and we choose to, to disengage. And that can reinforce those feelings of loneliness. And loneliness also affects our mental health indirectly by having a negative effect on our, on our physical health. It can affect the way that we sleep. It can affect the, the kind of quality sleep that we have. And it increases our cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone. Um, and that it, it impacts our physical health negatively. But of course, we know that if we're not sleeping well and if we're feeling very stressed, then our mental health really suffers as well. What you said about the kind of self-perpetuating thing, I thought was really interesting, where kind of once you experience loneliness, you start reading cues differently. Do you know why we do that? Because it it sounds this this sounds harsh. It's such a silly thing for our minds to do. So why do we do that? Yeah, it's a good point, isn't it? It's it's quite self destructive <laughs> of our minds that um, that the thing that that is going to help us is actually the hardest the hardest to do. Um, but you know, I, but I think as human beings, getting into that sort of downward and negative spiral is not is not uncommon, um, and it it is. It is one of the challenges and it's one of the reasons why once somebody experiences that particularly severe or long-term loneliness, they really need support to get out of it. Um, and people, you know, people don't really just snap out of loneliness. And, and, and if you can just snap out, you probably weren't severely lonely in the first place. It probably was more a sort of lockdown effect. Like many of us got in the pandemic, we we may have felt very lonely, but actually as soon as restrictions were lifted, we can go back to our, our normal way of interacting with friends and going to work, then we don't feel lonely anymore. Um, it really is those those people who would, will find it very difficult to take those steps um, and, um, and, and sort of re-establish themselves in a, a network of, um, of social contacts who need, need that support to do that. I think there's a lot of shame in admitting oh, I'm experiencing loneliness or I'm lonely at kind of a long-term continuous level. Why is it that there's still so much kind of shame and awkwardness around like loneliness as this big, scary concept? Mm. There really is so much stigma around loneliness. One of the interesting things we found from our research was that people are more reluctant to, to talk about feeling lonely than they are to talk about having a mental health problem. And I think we recognise it, that there is some stigma around mental health, but I'm not sure that level of stigma is really understood or appreciated about loneliness, that, that people 
really feel um, quite ashamed or quite embarrassed about feeling lonely. And, and, and of course, that leads to this, this cycle. It's very difficult to get out of it because you don't feel comfortable talking about it. You're less likely to ask for help. And if you're not looking for help, it's very difficult to get out of that, that um, downward cycle of, of loneliness. I think a lot of the, the stigma that exists around loneliness is because, because of a, some particular myths about loneliness or, or stereotypes perhaps, which are really, really unhelpful. There's a, there's a very pervasive stereotype about loneliness that, that some people are just lonely types or that loneliness is to do with a lack of social skills. Someone who's lonely is seen as being socially inept or a bit of a loner, being a reclusive. I mean, there's no evidence to support that. In fact, what research does show is that lonely people do not lack social skills. And in fact, they don't spend more time alone than non-lonely people in similar circumstances. But, but associating loneliness with a lack of something in a person or that that person isn't good enough or there's something wrong with them, that, you know, that really stops that, that, that would really stop me from coming forward saying, yes, I'm, I, I feel that way um, because I, you know, not many people want to put themselves out there to feel judged or to feel that they're, they're not good enough. I think there's also a, a myth about loneliness being connected with certain ages. So traditionally, that has been associated with older age. Loneliness has been seen as an older person's problem. There's a long-standing assumption that older people are more likely to be lonely. Recently, we've, gen we've started to appreciate that younger people may also be more likely to be lonely than other ages. But associating loneliness with, with age is unhelpful because feeling lonely in a severe way is, is far more likely to be driven by, by, by factors that have nothing to do with age. And, and if we're preoccupied by age, we, um, we overlook so what, what factors are that, that really contribute to loneliness? But, but importantly, in terms of stigma, if, if a young person thinks that being lonely is associated with being older, then they're not going to recognise it in themselves. Um, or if we think that loneliness is something that happens to younger and older people, for somebody in their 50s, it's going to be more difficult to, to recognise the feelings you have in loneliness because you don't think that applies to you. And if you don't recognise those feelings, you're not going to be able to ask for help because you, you don't know what you're asking for. So I think those sorts of myths and stereotypes can really get in the way of people who need need support from from getting what they from getting what they need to reduce that that loneliness and to reduce the impact it has on their mental health. And also, is it just people who live on their own that are lonely? Would you say? Because I've been talking to friends about this. And some of them have said, actually, you can be in a relationship or you could be living with housemates. And actually, in some of those cases, you can be you can feel sort of more lonely than if you were on your own. Absolutely. I mean, anybody can experience loneliness and loneliness and, and what we call social isolation, which is could be living on your own or could be um, having a, a small circle of friends are not the same thing. In fact, there is a clearer link between loneliness and um, overcrowding than loneliness and, um, and not being around many, many other people. Actually, over, being over, feeling overcrowded, whether that's because you live in a densely populated urban area or if you're in a social situation you don't feel comfortable with, 
that can drive feelings of disconnectedness, which which leads to loneliness. So definitely anybody can be, anybody can feel lonely. Um, it's, it's very little to do with how much contact you have with other people. The definition that, that we're using for Mental Health Awareness Week is that loneliness is the, it's the mismatch between the relationships that we have and the relationships that we want to have. And that mismatch might be about friends, might be about a partner, connections at work, connections in your local neighborhood. It's, it's a very personal thing. And you can feel lonely, even if you have, even if you're married, you have children, you have a, a, a wide network of friends. But if there's, if there's a, a disconnect for you between what you have and what you want, whether that's in quantity or whether that's in quality, then you will, you know, that, that feeling of loneliness is, is very possible. And that, that quality can sometimes be about whether people get you and whether they accept you for who you are. Loneliness can certainly come from being surrounded by people, but if those people don't, if you feel that those people don't understand you or don't accept you, then there's certainly an opportunity for, for loneliness to creep in. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it's really interesting what you said as well about the stereotype of sort of the, the older person maybe being alone. Um, but I think it's important to think about maybe, I don't know, young mums who, like you say, they have a family, but maybe if they're sort of with their kids all day, that's actually quite a lonely situation. Or somebody in a city who seems to, you know, be around lots of people, but is still quite lonely. I, I think it's quite unlikely maybe for people to just say, I feel, you know, I feel pretty lonely. Because there's something around that word, isn't there? It's, I don't know, it feels really, how would you suggest people go about, um, I guess, finding that social contact and sort of feeling better about themselves? Well, there's a number of things that that people can do. And we, we this was an important question for us to, to be able to, um, to respond to for Mental Health Awareness Week. And our research involved... Um, putting together a group of people who had experienced and, or sometimes will continue to experience severe loneliness. And, and we asked them what helped, what helped them to cope with those feelings of loneliness. Sometimes that was about tackling the loneliness head on. And sometimes it was about coping with the feelings and just sitting with those feelings whilst that, that, that situation passed. What was, what was really important was sharing how you're feeling with somebody that um, you felt was going to accept that. And you know, that can be a really hard piece of advice for somebody who's feeling lonely is to, to find somebody you trust, because it may well be that you're, you're feeling lonely because, um, because you don't feel you have somebody in your, your circle to trust. So I, I think the starting point in terms of advice is, is to, to everybody, whether you're feeling lonely or not, is to, um, to, to, to accept that feeling lonely is part of the human condition and we don't want people to be severely lonely and we, that's, a, that's a problem we need to tackle but it's normal to feel lonely and actually talking about times in our life where we have felt lonely normalizes it and it helps those who feel severely lonely to be able to voice how they're feeling without worrying that they're going to be judged or worrying that they're going to be thought that they're and they don't have good social skills or they're lacking something. So I think the first step is probably something that 
everybody needs to do, whether we, we, we're feeling lonely or not. And it, it may well be that, 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 that there'll be a time in our life where we do experience that severe loneliness, even if we, even if we haven't, haven't yet. Some of the advice that, that people who'd felt lonely shared with us was making the most of everyday connections, perhaps setting yourself a goal to try and connect with one person every day, even if that is a complete stranger or even if that's somebody you, you know only by sight. So whether that is um, the person that uh, is delivering something to your home, whether that is um, where you, the person where you, you um, pick your dry cleaning up from, um, whether it is somebody you, you just see every day passing, perhaps when you're walking the dog, they're walking the dog in the opposite direction, just sharing that polite greeting and having relatively low expectations of what that will lead to. So a pol sharing a polite greeting is not going to lead to necessarily lead to a lifelong friendship, although it certainly can. It's more about just reminding yourself that you're a person who can make connections and you can take the initiative to make those connections. The people we talked to, their advice was if you, if you don't know what to say, then to, um, to give a compliment because it's a very positive thing to do. And we know that giving compliments is um, a positive experience for both the giver and the receiver. So you, you might lift your, you might find that you lift your own day, but possibly you're lifting somebody else's. And we don't know who around us is, is lonely. So um, actually by, by making that contact, we might be um, helping somebody else feel less lonely as well. I think I speak, mostly for myself but hopefully other people as well in that I think a lot of us kind of imagine the worst case scenario with those kind of making the first move of social interaction um like I imagine if I say hi to this random person they'll you know think I'm an absolute freak or like just be horrified for some reason how do you deal with that like just honestly just fear of of it all going horribly wrong Having low expectations is a really good place to start. So it might be helpful to say to yourself, I'm going to say hello to that person that I walk past every day, but I'm not expecting anything back. And then if you get nothing, you're not disappointed. And if you, but if you get more than that, then that's a, that's a real boost. Um, and it may be simply that if you're saying hello to somebody for the first time, if they're not expecting it, they may not know what to say back or it may take them a moment to register that that's happening. So it's not about having low expectations because people are unfriendly or not wanting to meet you, but it can take a while to warm these things up. So I think setting yourself a goal with the goal being your action, not being the other person's response can be really helpful because you can only be responsible for your own action. You don't know what else is happening with that person um, and what's going through their mind and what kind of day they're having. So you can't control how, what their interact, what their response is, um, and you're not expecting saying hello to lead to a long conversation or leading to a new connection. It's more about you're reminding yourself, building your confidence slowly, that you're a person who can make connections and you can make that first move and you can say hello, and that can boost our confidence because if we are the person to to, to start that greeting and to say hello to to be in control of that moment, it gives us that that sort of 
it's that little confidence boost and other people recognize us as somebody who is um is is, is happy to 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 talk and to start those conversations i have to say i kind of i feel like i was quite surprised when you said that loneliness levels are back to what they were before the pandemic because um i don't know i suppose speaking from my own experience i really don't feel like i'm sort of back out there in the way that i was before the pandemic so I'm kind of surprised that it's it's gone back to normal. I mean, I'm really glad that it has gone back to that. We're, we're adjusting what normal is for us, perhaps. So whereas perhaps we we, we might think that it's it's we might accept now with experiences in the pandemic that actually feeling a little bit lonely is quite normal. Whereas perhaps before the pandemic happened, um, perhaps we didn't think you know we thought any level of loneliness was 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 unusual was 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 bad. Um, but the, you know, I think a lot of people, we, we know that, that um, during the pandemic, the, the number of people who felt lonely went up significantly, particularly people who felt um, lonely sometimes. But at the Mental Health Foundation, the, we're interested in the aspect of loneliness we're most interested in is the loneliness that leads to or loneliness that is at risk of leading to a mental health problem and lo- lots of people will feel lonely sometimes and that's that, that's not a good thing but it is normal and it's very difficult to avoid some some kind of loneliness during our lifetime so i think something like uh, you know, one in four people will say at any one time they might they'll, they'll sometimes feel lonely but they're probably they're probably able to come out of that situation of loneliness quite easily if circumstances change. The the proportion of people that we're we're, we're really concerned about, and we really want to um, to to see more help and support around, is that one in twenty who feel like they've always been in lockdown and and the changing of those restrictions doesn't doesn't really change their their experience of loneliness that one in 20, they're the people who are most at risk of a a mental health problem um, or are experiencing mental health problems now that are associated with with their loneliness. Um, And and that's that's the level that we've seen stay um, fairly constant before and after the pandemic. What do we need to be doing to helping those people kind of on a societal level? Uh, You know, what type of support should we be offering those people who are whose loneliness is, as you said, kind of transforming to the point where it's causing a real mental health issue? Mm. Well, there are actions that we can take at a societal level that can help anybody who's feeling lonely. And, um, and, and that's where the people are lonely every now and again, sort of brief fleeting moments of loneliness or, or those who are really severely lonely. And some some actions that um, that will work for everybody are changes to our built environment and our natural environment. So if we think about the built environment, which can be um, spaces in cities, towns, villages, um, anywhere where the environment is, is built rather than natural, having places to meet and come together makes a huge difference. So having open spaces in urban or populated areas that have got park benches means that we're much more likely to sit and talk to people, which 
might be strangers, but might even just be people we know. Even the width of pavements in built environments has been shown to have an impact on loneliness. If the pavement is too narrow or too cluttered, you're less likely to be able to, to talk to somebody as you walk. Or if you bump into somebody that you know, you're much less likely to have a conversation, stop and have a conversation if the pavement is narrow or if you're by a really busy road. So there are certainly ways that we can, um, that, that, that planning, planning for where humans spend time together can be done in a way which encourage those kind of interactions. And you know, some of this is about having spaces outside but um, it can also be about ensuring that we've got spaces inside. Connecting with nature has been shown to alleviate loneliness. And that's partly because if you go outside, you're much more likely to have contact with other people than if you stay at home all day. But it's not just the being outside and the bumping into other people that can make a difference to loneliness. Having a connection with nature and wildlife helps you to feel connected to your local community and it helps you to feel connected to other living things. It can make us feel part of part of something much bigger than, than, than just ourselves. But many people who are most at risk of loneliness, um, so that might be people who are living on a low income, people living in an inner city, people from racialized groups who face discrimination, we know that they're least likely to have good access to nature. So investing in green spaces and or greening city spaces, so introducing um, greenery to urban spaces, is a positive step to take to tackle loneliness across across all all parts of society. So we've talked a lot so far about kind of um, getting out there and chatting to strangers and making those sort of small daily connections. Um, but I was wondering if there were any other kind of smaller tips um, that you'd suggest in terms of. Um, things that people could do if they were feeling lonely. I mean, off the top of my head, I'd imagine I'm just sort of like, for me, it would be something like meditation and maybe reframing the idea of loneliness because there's a difference, isn't there, really, between being lonely and just sort of appreciating solitude. Um, I don't know. I mean, I suppose lots of people might have different approaches to this, but I mean, certainly through the pandemic, I was you know, like I say, meditating, listening to podcasts, so I still had that noise around me. Um, do you have any sort of thoughts on things like that? Because I think, although it's brilliant to sort of go out there and, and chat to people, um, you might not be able to do it sort of every day, especially if you're in the situation, as you've said, as a carer. When we asked um, our group of people who who had experienced severe loneliness for those suggestions, something that came up repeatedly is... Um, identifying a, an activity which is something of a distraction but a very positive distraction and something that came up time and time again was listening to podcasts listening to audiobooks listening to the radio and what seemed to be a, a thread throughout all of this was finding a voice or a presenter who you felt a connection with and this seemed to be much more um, much more effective at managing feelings of loneliness than watching TV. Um, possibly because we only have that, that sense of, um, of voice to go by. But listening to, um, listening to podcasts and uh, listening to audiobooks felt to, to our group like um, a way to, 
to, for, to, to really feel like there was a connection. And I think that is something that a really great um, presenter or narrator can actually do is to, to build that connection with their audience and really help their audience to feel like they are having a, a personal conversation. So that, you know, podcasts, um, audiobooks, radio was really up there as a, a very positive way of distracting yourself and, um, and but keeping you connected to human voices and to, to what's going on in the world. Spending time with pets or animals was also a really popular suggestion. If you, if you don't have a pet, there are ways to spend, anim- spend time with animals. You can volunteer with animals, but even just watching local wildlife can help you feel more connected. I think there is something about the fact that animals don't judge um, and, uh, and, and, and enjoy spending time with their, um, or pets spend, enjoy spending time with their owners means that um, it was a way of, of feeling like there is a really strong connection there um, and, um, and, and can be a really positive way of, um, uh, of maintaining that connection. I think particularly if you find that this is a this is this is a way you enjoy spending time, it can also mean that you're more open to opportunities to to talk to other people um, uh, when you're walking your dog or when you're volunteering or when you're spending time um, uh, in a in a local wildlife area. Some participants also found that found talking therapies really helpful as a safe space to explore your your feelings and thoughts without judgment, but also because going back to our definition of loneliness and loneliness being a mismatch between the relationships that you have and the relationships that you want, um, it's, it can be really helpful to use to use techniques like talking therapies to think about how you can reframe the relationships you have and to try to reduce that that mismatch and i think that that can work particularly well for people who do have connections in their life but perhaps not don't feel that they are they are the right ones or they're the ones that um that are really nourishing it's about what how can you use those connections you have to create what you want and whether that's about just reframing what you want in your mind or whether that's about well i've got these connections how can i use how can i build on those connections to really find the right people for me, to really find the people that get me, that um, that accept me for, for who I am. Um, so, so we we would certainly recommend exploring talking therapies as a helpful tool for um, uh, for alleviating loneliness. with any of the issues we've been chatting about today please give the samaritans a ring on 116 123 you can also find them online at samaritans.org you can find us online we have a twitter account which is at mentally yrs and you can also join our lovely facebook group which is simply called mentally yours see you next week
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.